Attorney Show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet, or maybe not about to be joined. Ken is going to take a while to get on here because he's got a job to do. Not like I didn't have to host a broadcast tonight and host the, the heck out of that broadcast, I'll tell you. But in the meantime, we're going to have what looks like a fireside chat because I've got nowhere to put my microphone, so I need to hold it. and I'm going to lean back. And it's going to feel like a more casual affair, maybe, until I start tying into the game and absolutely ripping it apart. Because you know what? There's some people in the chat room who are already calling it. Turd Ferguson says, get your rain gear out, gang. Rennie will be throwing cold water all over this win, this Winnipeg win. So let's let's get down to it. Let's break this win down. Now, I'm sure... A lot of you are out there and you're you're really excited after what happened in that game, right? And you look and you think that you saw a dominant performance by the Winnipeg Jets. You think that you saw a path to victory in this series. You think that the Winnipeg Jets flipped the, the switch and found what they've been looking for this whole time. I know you all think that. I know you're all excited. I can see it from your comments in the chat. And one thing I got to say is, as Turd Ferguson says, get your rain gear out, gang. Rennie will be throwing cold water all over this win. I'm just here to say, Turd Ferguson doesn't know Rennie at all. I'm calling that game exactly how I saw it, which I always do. And if sometimes, you know, over the course of the Winnipeg Jets almost falling apart down the tail end of a season, if I call out that they're not playing very good and people have beef with that, you're going to have to have beef with that. I'm calling it how I see it. There's no other way to call this game. There's no hidden analytics that say the Winnipeg Jets got lucky in this game. There's nothing behind the scenes that would suggest this is anything other than what everybody saw. This game was complete and total domination. From the begin, from the drop of the puck to the very end, this is what you are looking for if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan and you are watching the Winnipeg Jets head into a, a building, an intimidating building. The start of that game, intimidating building. This is a building with terrible, terrible memories, terrible mojo, terrible vibes for the Winnipeg Jets. There was every reason for them to come into this game and be tight. Listen, behind the scenes, Rick Bonus was thinking before this game, his team was a little bit tight. He thought maybe not too tight that it should, you know, really, really cost us. But there was a bit of a question in his mind. This is still a new team to him. Yes, he's been here all year, but there's a question mark on how the Winnipeg Jets would handle a big moment like this, a big moment in a building with bad mojo, with a crowd that started all over them, a building they had never won before in the playoffs. And the Winnipeg Jets came out and did exactly what all you hopeful fans and confident fans and maybe some overconfident fans said the Jets were going to do that Rennie didn't necessarily see coming, that Kenny didn't necessarily see coming, that not many of the pundits saw coming. But the Winnipeg Jets reached that part that we've all said. And I said this, Kenny said this, the fans definitely have said this. They, The Jets have something that they can reach. 
And that was what we saw from them tonight. I thought that was the best representation of what the Winnipeg Jets are capable of that we have seen in years from this team. Now, hey, it's clear uh, before this, if anyone watched the series preview show, I had the Vegas Golden Knights winning in six. Ken had the Vegas Golden Knights winning in seven. My take on this was the Vegas Golden Knights have been a consistent team throughout the entire season. The Winnipeg Jets have been up and down, left and right. We never know where they are. So is the expectation that they can just turn it on going into the playoffs? Is that the expectation? My take on that over has been consistent. The Winnipeg Jets for years now have been a team capable of flipping the switch, but they haven't done it before. As a fan, you have the luxury of saying, this team is capable. I think they're going to flip the switch. You know what? You may be right here tonight. You were wrong last year. All the people who said the Winnipeg Jets were going to turn it on late and make the playoffs. You were wrong the year before that against the uh, Montreal Canadiens, wrong against the Calgary Flames, but you are entirely, entirely right in this game. You got it right. I got it wrong. I always like to come out and point out when I got it wrong. I think it's important to do so because if I say I got it wrong, you know it's true. Not when all these hacks in the chat room are trying to call me out and try and say Rennie was wrong. When I tell you I'm wrong, that's when you know I'm wrong. Forget the Turd Fergusons of the world. Forget the Pat Rathwells of the world. You know these people, the T Wills of the world, the Kenny's water bottles of the world. Forget these people and what they say. When I say I'm wrong, that is most definitely when I'm wrong. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong because I, I'll tell you this. I thought the Jets could come out and put up a good performance, but the Winnipeg Jets hit, and it's in the title of this video, the Winnipeg Jets hit the Rick bonus blueprint and they hit it on steroids. This was the perfect representation of what the Winnipeg Jets were capable of. How many times did you see the Vegas Golden Knights breaking down ice and have one guy surrounded by four Winnipeg Jet players as they tried to get into the zone? How many times did they have to dump the puck and try and chase it, and the player who dumped the puck be the only one chasing the puck because everyone else on their line was tired and was making a change, and that player who dumped the puck and tried to chase the puck got held up by two players and couldn't even come close to reaching the win Winnipeg Jets defender who'd gone back to pick the puck back up. This was the Winnipeg Jets not allowing a sniff to the Vegas Golden Knights. I don't know how everyone else felt out there. Maybe people were tight, but even when the score was 2-1, I didn't think this was a close game. I didn't expect it to turn out any way other than the Winnipeg Jets coming out on top in this game. I can tell you some people in the truck behind the scenes said this game has overtime written all over it. When the Winnipeg Jets play like that, I don't think that there's a lot of teams that can hang with them. Vegas most definitely couldn't hang with them on this night. I'm not going to say that this series is over. I'm not going to see that we're say that we're not going to see a better representation of the Vegas Golden Knights in game 2 or game 3 or game 4. What I will say is if the Winnipeg Jets continue to play the way that they played tonight, dictating the pace, carrying out their game plan, they will be an extremely hard team to beat, not just by the Vegas Golden Knights, but whoever comes after the Vegas Golden Knights in round two, should the Jets get there, or whoever comes after that in round three, should the Jets get there. We've talked about a game that you could believe in. I've talked about down the stretch, the idea of the Jets getting to a place that a game is sustainable. That right there 
is sustainable. That is exactly what the Winnipeg Jets wanted to do. It's what they were asked to do by their head coach, and they went out and did it. This is cause and effect at its finest. Get your big, giant Winnipeg Jets foam hands out and give a big, giant round of applause to the Winnipeg Jets because someone said it earlier in the chat room. I think that was the best game we've seen from the Winnipeg Jets this entire season, and what amazing timing for them to come up with that kind of performance in the first game of the playoffs. We'll see if they can carry it into the second. I'm going to change things up a little bit. Uh, I'm going to talk uh, about something that the people are picking up in the audience. First of all, uh, Tyler Sattler says uh, that was a funny question for Doobie Rennie trying to rattle the opposition's goalie and the strategy behind it. Do you think he was annoyed by the question? I couldn't tell from his memory lapse. So I don't think that he was rattled by the question. What Tyler Sattler is talking about here is the post-game interview with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I had asked him about the fact that he scores on Lauren Brassois and then he chirps him. And I point out the fact that not long ago against the Calgary Flames, he also, after the Jets got scored on, skated the entire length of the ice to go and chirp Jacob Markstrom. We had a long conversation about it, about the idea of him chirping the goaltender. I don't think that. Here's the reason why. What you aren't seeing on camera is behind the scenes, uh, one of our crews holding a television monitor in which we are playing and replaying the goal and Pierre-Luc Dubois is seeing himself in the camera, showing him chirping the goaltender. <clears throat> him saying that he doesn't remember the play while he is watching the play unfold in front of him is essentially the joke that was happening in that moment. I, I, I thought it was funny. It made for uh, a fun moment of levity in the broadcast. Uh, even, even in the interviews, Adam Lowry in the first period, Pierre-Luc Dubois after the game, there is nothing that the Winnipeg Jets didn't do to knock it out of the park tonight. Hey, I want to give a shout out to the Winnipeg Jets PR who did a phenomenal job of getting us everyone we wanted to talk to tonight. You know, we were working alongside ESPN in that Linda Cohen and I were in the corner throwing elbows at each other for the opening there tonight. It was a rowdy night. It was a crazy night for the Winnipeg Jets PR trying to get everything to come together with our broadcast and, of course, the ESPN broadcast. And then you've got CJOB and the players they need to talk to. Hats off. Big round of applause. I don't know that I've ever done this on the show before. This is definitely uh, earned in this time. The Winnipeg Jets PR staff absolutely knocked it out of the park tonight. There was not one cog in the wheel of the Winnipeg Jets that was not firing on all cylinders tonight, including the doctor, the, uh, the, the plastic surgeon who administered the stitches tonight to, uh, to one Morgan Barron. This was an impressive, impressive performance by everybody, everybody across the line. And I just wanted to make sure that I pointed something out here. Where is it? Where do I have it? Oh, Russ Lowen saying that I said about Pierre-Luc Dubois that he should never do that again uh, as far as chirping the goaltender. Come on, Russ. This is a wake-up moment for you. I know, I know, Russ, we see each other a lot. You got to get your stuff together. You can't be going around trying to misrepresent Rennie. I absolutely love the idea that he does this. I don't love the idea from an other team side of this. This is what I said about Ken or said to Ken when we had this conversation that if a player is doing this 
and it doesn't get stepped up. He's just going to keep doing it and doing it over. And this is an example of what I was talking to. If Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to go out and chirp the other team's goaltender and the team's not going to do anything about it, he's going to keep doing it. Why would he not? I'm just saying, as a team, they shouldn't be allowing this. To me, this is a this is a step of the Vegas Golden Knights falling down in this game. Not only do they get whumped by the Jets, but they lose to the cerebral assassin in this regard and allow their goaltender. And geez, the goaltending situation of the Vegas Golden Knights, it's tentative as as is. Never mind allowing a star from the other team to try and get into your goaltender's head. You can't let that happen if you are the Vegas Golden Knights. But if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you do that over and over and over again. If you are not the Winnipeg Jets, someone is out there saying, this man must be stopped. Uh, But if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you do this as many times as you can, as often as you can. Pierre-Luc Dubois, a huge reason for the Jets' victory tonight. We will get into him. But before we do that, the man, the myth, the legend is ready. The man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Ken, our good friend T-Will, he doesn't get a lot right. But he gets this absolutely right here when he says, oh, no, Rennie is drunk with power after his hosting gig. Kenny straighten him out. Uh, Ken, I think it's in Spider-Man where buddy. they say with great power comes great responsibility. I'm not the kind of guy you should give responsibility to. I'm not the kind of guy you should give power to. Sportsnet made a huge mistake here tonight. Oh, uh, yeah. But you know who didn't make any mistakes on this night? It would be the Winnipeg Jets who absolutely ran the Vegas Golden Knights out of their own building, had their fans booing in them. A first seed team, their fans were booing them in game one of the playoffs. Could this have been a more perfect night for the Winnipeg Jets, Ken? Yeah, pretty impressive, Sean. But uh, before we go there, I just want to be among the many of the masses, uh, just sending some congratulations your way. Good job, buddy. Uh, Super happy for you. I know... uh, you're keeping it together better than I did after my first Hockey Night in Canada appearance. I know you've been on the show plenty, but uh, hosting for the first time, love the fact that uh, our friends on the desk were both supporting you and chirping you at the same time, and uh, that's something that... I wouldn't have it any other way. Exactly. It's, it's uh, the only way. Hate is the way I feel love. <laughs> when people hate me, that's when I feel appreciated. So we uh, got that from BXO tonight, no doubt. Yeah, love that. Love that very much, and uh, just awesome stuff all around, and uh, let what thank a great you, what, what a great blazer that is as well uh oh, we, know thank you you, we both uh, we're both rocking the uh, Vittorio Rossi specials here this evening well might so. as well give them a shout out while we're at it if you want to look like Kenny and Rennie you know exactly what you have to do you know exactly where you have to go head on down to Corden Avenue go see Frankie and the boys at Vittorio Rossi they will do you upright make sure you tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you I'll tell you this it's hard to stand out in Vegas but I had two <laughs> or three people talk to me about the bro- 
Jeff Glazer giving me the thumbs up. Uh, that's the power of Frankie and the boys. They can take a no one like me and make you stand out in the hardest areas to stand out. You got to head down and let them uh, get, uh, take a crack at you. Uh, good stuff. Ken, get to the game. What, Buddy, what you know you, you know how much I like to go to the buffet, so to, to stop there first, that just tells you what I, how I feel I about things. It. So, yeah, I right on. It. Hey, Thank in you. terms of this game, man, it, if if you if you were if you were Rick Bonus and you wrote up the game plan, uh, you're looking at your card right now and seeing a hell of a lot of check marks on the card. Uh, I do think that the Jets' puck management was pretty poor in the first period, quite frankly, in terms of the scoring chances allowed. I know the volume was not high. But that chance that Brett Howden had on the doorstep was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there was another turnover that led to a good chance as well. But uh, Connor Hellebuck was not busy. But when he was when he was at work, he had to make a couple of big saves. Uh, at the same time, I thought the Jets were really they did an awesome job of dictating the pace of play. Sean, uh, we thought that early on the Vegas School of the Knights did a great job. There were a bunch of big bruising hits. Actually had a big hit on Adam Lowry. He had a hit on Mark Shifley. But the Jets uh, did a good job of dictating the tempo and dictating the pace of play. And they honestly, in a lot of ways, kind of imposed their will uh, on the Vegas oh, yeah. Golden Knights. And, and that they did not have a lot of answers. And, you know, outside of one early chance, uh, you know, we talked a, little about, a lot about Jack Eichel and his first playoff appearance. Uh, it was a pretty quiet, quiet game for him, I thought. Uh, we know Mark Stone and played for the first time in a long time. And like we talked about yesterday, uh, what I saw with my own eyes at the practice facility in here on Saturday, Mark Stone yes. is going to need to get his conditioning up. I mean, which is what is natural for anyone who's gone through what he's gone through. Uh, do I expect the Golden Knights to go away quietly? Absolutely not. But uh, the Winnipeg Jets did all the things they needed to do. I thought that Pierre-Luc Dubois, the cerebral assassin, was absolutely yeah. on fire in this game. He was physically engaged. He had eight hits by the end of the night. Uh, I thought Kyle Connor, who was a guy, Sean, we talked about this a lot. Kyle Connor needed to get going in this series, and and that shot, that's vintage Kyle Connor. He takes the pass and absolutely uh, buries it. Uh, Blake Wheeler is a guy who has been under some scrutiny for quite some time, and there he is scoring an insurance marker, setting up the game winner, uh, adding another assist on the empty netter. I mean, that that's something that the Jets needed in a game where Nikolai Ehlers was unavailable and remains day-to-day with that upper body injury. Uh, in terms of the Jets' defense core, I thought it was an interesting game on a lot of fronts. You know, I think the group as a whole played well. And Dylan Sandberg, I thought Sean was fantastic in this game. A lot of very calm plays under duress. I thought he moved his feet really well. Really effective on the penalty kill that finished 3-for-3. Three a three. little bit of physical play. Uh, that's a guy doesn't show up on the score sheet, Sean, but it was an impressive game by him. I thought it was very important for that group uh, on that third pairing. And... I mean, Morgan Barron coming back from 75-plus stitches is, is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I thought he was so effective in the game. Uh, he was skating so well. He had five hits in the game, got nosed for the net, not afraid whatsoever, uh, didn't worry what at all about you know being tentative out there, playing with the bubble. Uh, you know, 
just an awesome you know performance by Morgan Barron. Adam Lowry was great in this game. Mason Appleton was flying. Uh, you know, it's tough to find a weak link for the Winnipeg Jets on this night. They were absolutely uh, impressive. Their goaltender was steady, and their offense exploded for five goals against Lauren Bressois in his first Stanley Cup playoff start. And naturally, we're going to be wondering about how long the leash is after a five-goal performance. I mean, let's not forget that's his first regulation loss in 11, 11 starts. But, I mean, if you're Bruce Cassidy, honestly, how long is the leash for Lauren Bressois? I'm not saying, I don't think there were really... I'm not blaming goaltending in this one. They did. They got nothing accomplished uh, offensively, but I mean, <laughs> we just don't know how long they're going to stick with Bressois. So I expect them to play game two, but I mean, we'll see from there. So I, I would suggest, um, and I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what uh, um, Cassidy's thoughts are on this, but if if they're trying to blame or pin this on and i know you're not saying that if they're trying to blame or pin this or thinking that a goaltender change would have had any kind of effect on the outcome tonight they are absolutely dreaming lauren bersois i actually thought played extremely well in this game uh he would i mean now that i think about it some of the plays where you know he was kind of a little busy in his own net and some of those plays that got behind him and he almost got scored on in the first period i thought he was a little bit shaky on go on sorry i gotta call the desk quickly here i'm just gonna jump yeah, out do for your one thing. second sorry. do your thing i'll take this over here um i just thought with lauren brassois uh, you know a lot of those goals that happened I, I i don't pin those on him i take a look at that especially the lowry goal at the end of the game the blake wheeler one is maybe a little bit soft but that blake wheeler goal happens because nemestikov is in the kitchen of the goaltender getting the job done there, creating that confusion that often affects goaltenders. That's how you get to a goaltender in a situation like that. The Jets got to the goaltender. They got shots on the goaltender. Uh, they got they got Pierre-Luc Dubois to the goaltender to chirp him and, and talk with him. Listen, if you are Vegas and in any way, and this is where it gets problematic in a situation like this, I think personally, if you're the Vegas Golden Knights and you decide to go in a different direction and take Lauren Brassois out of the lineup and put in a different goaltender, I think it sends the wrong message. I think the message that you're sending is that you somehow blame this on the goaltender and you're saying that what the rest of the team did on a night like tonight was acceptable. I don't think it was. The Vegas Golden Knights got run out of the rink by the Winnipeg Jets players. Think about this. This is a team that is known to be one of the best, if not the best, third-period comeback teams in the NHL. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights got two shots in the third period, and the Winnipeg Jets got three goals in the third period. This is not close. The Winnipeg Jets turned the Vegas Golden Knights' strength into their weaknesses on this night. Their weakness, obvious weakness coming into this series was their goaltending and, and the situation that could have been a little bit tricky. But any any indication from the Vegas Golden Knights going forward that they want to take and turn this into a thing where Lauren Bressois was the fault on this night, or even, and I get this kind of mindset, but even the idea of putting in a different goaltender because your team will get a different response out of their goaltender this is clear to me on this night the winnipeg jets went out and punched the vegas golden knights in the mouth 
and the Vegas Golden Knights dropped to their knees. And when they tried to stand up, the Winnipeg Jets just pushed them over after that. And when the Vegas Golden Knights tried to move over that after that, the Winnipeg Jets cocked their fist and said, stay down. And the Vegas Golden Knights stayed down in the third period of this game. This was a good old-fashioned butt-whipping. And the goaltending for the Vegas Golden Knights and Lauren Bressois had absolutely nothing to do with it. That's my take. Yeah, right on. Sorry about that. Just had a little no bit problem. Of hey, Ken, let's get let's the, uh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Let's get to the lamplighter. What do you got? It's got to be the du- I mean, there's lots of options, but to me, it's the Dubois goal. Just because the Jets had just scored, I love the fact that Rick Bonus went back to that line immediately. They went to the bench for one shift, tossed him back out. Dubois comes off the bench, takes the pass, absolutely goes roof daddy on Lauren Brissois. It's the game-winning goal. Two goals and 62 seconds in Sean. The Golden Knights never recovered. Yes, they got it to 2-1, but they never got back to their game, even at 2-1. Uh, so to me, I think Agreed. that it's the Dubois goal. There, there is no other option in this night. Uh, there were some other pretty goals. There's no doubt about that. But the Dubois goal is essentially the backbreaker in a lot of ways because I think I wrote in my column, it planted the seed of doubt in a lot of ways. So if you're a Bressois, you let one in early, no big deal. All of a sudden you give up two on two shots. And I'm not saying it impacted his game, but this is that's the kind of thing where Dubois just kind of got himself into beast mode after that, I thought. Uh, so to me, that, that was the obvious choice uh, from the good folks at TransCanada Brewing Company, uh, you know, sponsoring our absolutely fantastic Lamplighter segment. I, I've got absolutely no beef with that at all. I 100% agree that the Lamplighter on this night should go to Pierre-Luc Dubois, not just because of the goal, which was a great goal, uh, not just because of the timing of it, which I think broke the back of the Vegas Golden Knights and they never really recovered in that game, not just because his play everywhere else on the ice was good and just him chipping in in that way means he basically ticked. You talked about ticking boxes. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois ticked about every box yeah. on his on his card tonight. But the chirp afterwards, <laughs> I mean, the, chir- the chirp afterwards is just an absolute thing of beauty. This is a guy who went on, like the Winnipeg Jets bullied the Vegas Golden Knights on this game. And they bullied them not only physically, but they they bullied them to to your 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 term that I, I just absolutely love the cerebral assassin. He he bullied them in a cerebral manner here tonight. Ken, I had this fascinating conversation with him, uh, and we'll oh yeah, hang on, share right now, right away. Like, I mean, tell the people who didn't happen to see the end of the game. Uh, what he said when you asked him about Chirp we, we and the talked goalie. about it. Oh, we sorry, talked about okay. it before you came on. But I had a conversation with him. We didn't do the story tonight. We're going to get into it. But I had a conversation with Pierre Luc Dubois about that series that everybody talks about. That series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, where he was just absolutely phenomenal, and everyone yeah. points it and holds it up as this idea that this is what he can do. Oh, you know what? Before I get into that, I just want to say that I think that's the lamplighter, and I want to make sure that I get uh, the lamplighter in there. Uh, if you want to share with us your lamplighter on the night, and you should, and many of you already have, make sure you do it, because if you do do that, you are automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale from our friends at Transcanda Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to set you up with your very own APAC. Why don't you head on down and get one yourselves from the, the good folks at Transcanner Brewing Company. Just head to 11290 Keniston Avenue. You, you can join them in their tap room. They have lots. I guarantee you they're not going to run out. They've got lots of lamplighter ale there. They've got the blueberry 
They've got great IPAs, great sours, great everything. They also have great food, great appies. I think it's the best pizza in town. Absolutely love it. it a lot of you are going to find that out because a lot of you are coming to the Kenny and Rennie Year Ender Bender at 11290 Keniston Avenue. I'll say it out there. Our list, our reserve list is growing pretty long, uh, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try and get on it because, again, when when the Kenny and Rennie Year Ender Bender happens, and boy, oh, boy, it went from looking like it was <laughs> going to be happening from about a week from now, Ken, to now who knows when it's going to happen. Someone said today they're hoping that it happens in June. That would be something right there. But the Year Ender Bender, when it does happen, I know a lot of people or some people on the list aren't going to be able to make it. So get on the reserve list. You know what to do. you got to direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name and an email or at least a way to get in contact with you. I'll get you on the reserve list. And should people not be able to fill the tickets that they have tried to reserve, you will be called up by Rennie himself to make sure that you are able to take that spot if you would like to take that spot. And before we move on, I want to give a shout-out to our Lamplighter winner from our last show, the final game of the season, Game 82, and that would be Dale Sawchuk. Congratulations to Dale Sawchuk. Dale, I see your sister's on here. You know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Give me your full name, which I know is Dale Sawchuk, and give me your contact information, and I will send you your very own uh voucher for a frosty delicious a pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at trans canada brewing company uh PLT that's funny SLD. that's funny is that <laughs> that's, that's funny stuff. because i wanted when i was in the scrum goal. when i was in the scrum with lauren brissot on saturday uh, no sorry this was actually after the game against seattle brissot said i got a book on some of those guys like insinuating that that would help him so that that's yeah. a funny that's a good chirp by roy mack right there that's a good chirp there you go good stuff okay i'm gonna jump back quickly before we get to the johnson group got you covered play of the game and just to say what i was Buddy, saying i got one it's gonna be a story it's gonna be a story in our next game it would have been tonight but we wanted to get a little bit more of a book of of Pierre-Luc Dubois being a cerebral assassin in this series. But I asked him about the idea of you know him being a proven playoff performer and that performance that he had against that Toronto Maple Leaf series. And his, his response to me, Ken, was really interesting. He said, I don't like to think about that. Honestly, I'd rather forget about that series because it's in the past and that's a different team. There's different expectations for me on this team. I don't think all the people out there who are saying that's an example of what he can be in the playoffs and what he should reach, he said, I bury that, and I think I have to be a different player than I was in that series. But one of the things that he took away from his time and that performance is he said, I learned long ago uh, from his old coach, um, John Tortorella, which I thought was interesting because we all think that it ended up on such bad terms with him and yet he's taking lessons he learned from John Tortorella in here and the Jets are benefiting from it he said John Tortorella was really big on the idea of one game bleeding into the next you want to leave each game in a position where if it's bleeding into the next game it's bleeding into the next game in your favor I thought he did a really good job of doing that here tonight uh See you later, Sean. Uh, I thought he did a really great job of doing that here tonight. And I just, the other thing that he'd said, which I I thought was hilarious, and I (laughs) loved this attitude. It goes along with the chirping the goaltenders and getting in players' faces and playing that game. He'd said he wants to be the kind of player that by game two or three or four of this series, 
opposition players are thinking, God, I have to play this guy again. I thought he took a huge step forward tonight in doing just that. Uh, He had the kind of game that not only does he get the lamplighter, I think, for the most important goal of the game, not only is he getting into the goaltender's head, not only is he being the cerebral assassin, but he is paving the way for game two and game three and game four to be that much harder for the Vegas Golden Knights. And because of that, I just think he was a stellar performer for them on this night. The Winnipeg Jets' best player? I actually don't think he was. We'll get to who I thought he was. But before that, let's get to the Johnson Group Got You Covered play of the game. Ken, what do you got? Oh, this is twofold. This is A to the to the to the stitcher, uh, for one, for getting the sewing kit nice. out for Morgan nice. Barron. I've and got for, info on that too. And for and for two, Morgan Barron uh absolutely coming out with an with just a brilliant uh performance coming back from that type of injury. And it's funny, he was asked in the scrum, Sean, about what he was thinking of as the play was happening, and he's going to the net, they're all crashing the crease, and and he, all of a sudden you're going down to the ground and your head is going towards the goaltender's skate. Um, he's thinking about the puck going in, not, and then all of a sudden then his next reaction is, don't worry, oh, thank God I can see. So good on him. Uh, you know, he shared a little nugget there too that, um, you know, he let his girlfriend and his and his parents know that he was okay when he was in the room getting stitched up. So the beauty of technology in that situation, you know, that's got to be an incredibly frightening time for a parent. Uh, but he was able to get through it and, and, and ease their pain for sure. And obviously him coming back. <laughs> Rick Bonus laughed. He says, all of a sudden Morgan's standing beside him and said, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. He's like, you want to take a couple of you know, laps during the stoppage no put me on the ice so uh love that i mean what a great performance we saw it in there sean in the room after in the jubilation almost every single player who walked by the scrum that morgan Barron was in was giving him some kind of positive reinforcement um leading my column with it my uh, mark shifley look at that battle scar you know is what he said on the way by i just thought that you know the team was really inspired by his play and his ability and willingness to come back and um you know it doesn't matter if he doesn't score the game winning goal or this is not willis reed playing on one broken leg or bobby bond playing on a broken ankle but if you take 75 plus zippers and come back into the game that's a pretty impressive performance uh and it's not like he was playing on the periphery. I thought he had an awesome game overall, and that's why I'm giving him the uh, We've Got You Covered play of the game, sponsored by the good folks, the OGs, the Johnston Group. I've got no no beef with that. Absolutely nailed it, uh, Kenny. And uh, you mentioned them, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnston Group. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and Teladoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Ken, just a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff Mm -hmm, that I can bring to the audience here in regards to the stitching situation there. A, I was surprised there wasn't as much blood. Apparently, 
the higher up that you go on the forehead that you get cut, there's more likely to be more blood. That's why you'll see when guys get cut in the hairline, you'll get, you know, it's the old wrestler thing, right? You get cut in the hairline and all of a sudden there's blood all over your face. And I I think it has something to do with the idea that when you're out playing hockey or playing a sport or exerting yourself, that the majority of, uh, of the blood is in your muscles and not towards the skin. So there's certain areas that don't require as much blood. So I was surprised he was wasn't as bleeding as much as he was in getting dinged for 75 stitches. Someone had asked earlier on who counts the stitches. Well, it's the doctor. And I can tell you in this case, the doctor who did stitch him up was a plastic surgeon. Uh, So a lot of times what you see when it comes to those 75 stitches, what we think of as stitches, Ken, and what schlubs like us got stitched up (laughs) in the old days, I got stitched up about nine times, I think, in my hockey career. Those stitches usually are, you know, if it's an inch, I think it's about, you know, like five, six, seven stitches if you've got an inch wide cut or something like that. So I think all we're all thinking you're doing that. These guys are getting stitched up by a doctor who is a plastic surgeon who is going to try and make it so maybe just maybe you once it heals you never see this cut again so those are like very very tiny stitches that go in in certain ways and i'm not 100% certain but i think in this case you're talking about layers of skin that get stitched back together it's just another way of saying i got my information from from the place where you need to get that information so kevin bexa calling me out on on the desk <laughs> if you're listening kevin bxa rennie's got beef with you and when rennie's got beef with you kenny's got beef with you and he's a bulldog you don't want on your case so maybe back down a little bit <laughs> kevin bxa that's all i gotta say to the juice uh who 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 threw a couple high uh, fastballs towards rennie's chin tonight apparently uh i didn't get to hear the show's Apparently, Ron uh, McLean was going to bat for me, and then Elliot jumped right back on and jumped on. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, Elliot Friedman, who is in town uh, uh, doing a Josh Morrissey interview before the playoffs started, and I'll tell you this, boy, oh, boy, what a classy representative for Sportsnet. For the people out there, I don't know how many of you were watching, but the people out there, uh, I, I went and I saw Elliot. For those of you who got to see Elliot on the night he was out in Winnipeg, he is a absolutely first-class, top-notch human being who went out and just did a really good job of meeting and interacting with fans. He is uh, one of those guys, uh, like you, Ken, that I'm very proud to call a colleague and proud in the way that they represent us and Sportsnet when they are out. Uh, absolutely gem human beings. Okay, I'm going to move on to the player that I was saying that I actually think yeah. had the best game for the Winnipeg Jets tonight. That's going to be Adam Lowry. And oh, yeah. what I take away from Adam Lowry tonight is we talked about it on the uh, on the podcast before. Um, I'm really fascinated by the conversation now of who should be the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. I absolutely loved having this conversation with Gary Galley behind the scenes because one of the things you take away when you work with a guy like Gary Galley who, listen, Gary Galley is a guy that we think of from back in the old days. I always think of him with the Boston Bruins. I'm pretty well. He'd spent some time with the LA Kings. I'm pretty sure uh, he was with the Philadelphia Flyers and the Washington Capitals as well. Uh, A lot of people think 
Gary Galley was just another player in the NHL. Go look at this guy's numbers. Look at the numbers that Gary Galley put up in his career. This was a phenomenal player. I know a lot of times I'll talk about, you know, fighters or whatever end up being analysts in the game. Gary Galley is a legit high-end NHLer and doesn't get the credit for that. So I love the conversations that you get to have with him. And what did he call it? Oh, yeah, he's it, it, this isn't the right word, but he said Adam Lowry isn't the boutique choice. It's something along the lines of that. Not your boutique choice for captain. And you're talking about a player who spent a lot of times in dressing rooms and saw. Yeah, there you go. T. Konopoli. He's on it where he says the best player was Lowry. But what I loved about having this conversation with Gary Galley is he's been through the NHL. He's been a leader in the NHL. He's been through a lot of different teams, a lot of really good teams, and he's seen all kinds of different captains. And he, he didn't outright say it, but he's definitely in the idea that, like, if you're not considering Adam Lowry to be the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets, you're not taking it seriously. Right. And I've got all the time in the world. I know Jeff Hamilton has really led credit where it's due, has really led the charge on this conversation, did so on our podcast. But I think who got the Winnipeg Jets going down the stretch when they needed to get going? I don't know that there's anyone who did so more than Adam Lowry. And I really thought he's the guy who got them going in the fight here tonight. That first setup where they almost score at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. and it leads to one of those scrums in front of the net. It's a gorgeous setup by Adam Lowry. Of course Adam Lowry, we know what he did uh, like, like here, here's another thing. How much from what we saw tonight, how much from what we saw was, came from a tone set by the Winnipeg Jets in that second last game of the season against the Minnesota Wild where I just thought uh, Adam Lowry was a warrior and led the charge. We've all seen that phenomenal video taken by the Winnipeg <laughs> Jets social media crew of Adam Lowry storming down after that fight, the reaction that he got from his teammates. I just think that on, on this night, Adam Lowry got his points, uh, but he was dangerous all night as it was. Never mind the fact that you always know he's there and has the team covered. You know, he's a great got you covered guy from night to night. I mean, basically, if you know what, Ken, we probably should have done that. We probably should have handed out a Jets lamplighter award at the end of the year for the t- the player that most, you know, personified the lamplighter award and handed out, you know, an award for the player that most uh, personified the 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 got you covered award. If we were to do a home field who personified that? I can tell you it definitely wouldn't be T. Will, even though he'd try and tell you that he was the guy that did that. But I just think that Adam Lowry led the charge here and and stood out to me on a team that came out and looked ready to play from the drop of the puck. I still think Adam Lowry was at a level that the rest of his teammates weren't quite at. And when you get to follow a guy like that, I think he's deserving of consideration for captaincy. Adam Lowry went on a heater at the end of the season, and he picked up right where he left off right here in this first game of the playoffs. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And, Sean, guess what? Who led the Jets forwards in ice time today? 1945 for none other than number 17, Adam Lowry. So uh, that's a reminder about my response to the folks saying that Adam Lowry should be a fourth-line player. So, anyways... 
It's- yeah, and hold on. Let's go and let's dust off those receipts because I know that I was the guy at the time when we were suggesting the, for the Jets to go down to fourth line, four lines and moving Nemestikov to that second-line center position. Part of that had to do with the idea of moving Adam Lowry to the fourth line. Ken, you bristled at the idea. I'm not sure that you talked to me outside the <laughs> podcast for a couple of weeks after that. You were that's, so miffed That's by one that. of the loudest wake-ups you've ever received, I believe. You had every right to throw <clears throat> that wake up because everything that we have seen from Adam Lowry that basically started right around that point that we had that conversation. Maybe he heard me and went out to say, like, listen, I'm going to expose this guy for his ice cold takes. Well, if that's what you were trying to do, Adam Lowry. Drunk with power, buddy. There you go. You that's what happens when you're drunk with that. power, buddy. There that's what go. happens. Yeah, that's what happens. He's you sometimes need to it. just be tapped down a little bit. A little bit of cold water sprinkled your way. Sorry, Adam 45 Lowry. minutes in. Let's give a quick uh, update on Ehlers yeah, here. Sure. Sorry. Do, do, uh, well, Rick Bonus. Before you do that, before you do that, why don't you give a shout out to our main man, Sweetly? Right on. For the folks who have realty needs they would like to have met, whether you're buying, whether you're selling, whether you're curious what that house on the corner is running for, or if you're looking to maybe change neighborhoods, you can contact our main man, Lou Ferlin at Real Page Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971, or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And his website with all of his listings, www.louferlin.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast, for which we are eternally grateful. Absolutely love Sweet Lou. Kenny, tell us all about what uh, you know about Nikolai Ehlers. So it's super interesting. Uh, Ehlers, we know, has has told us on multiple occasions that he was good to go and was ready. And Rick Bonus continued to say game time decision, and the majority of us in the media thought, well, this is just gamesmanship, right? This has got to be a coach saying that he's just not ready. So the only like small hint from the other day at practice was that Ehlers skipped one rotation of power play one, where Blake Wheeler went with them, but Ehlers was talking with athletic therapist Rob Millette. So I figured this was just a, you know, not a, it wasn't a smoke screen. It was just one thing. Then Ehlers took the rest of the reps, and Ehlers took the reps on his line. Um, but today, or he didn't skate this morning, and when Rick was asked about it again, it's not abnormal for him to skip an optional skate. It is kind of abnormal for him to be on the ice once with his teammates in the last five days. Here's the direct quote from Ehlers. Was it a setback? No, there wasn't necessarily a setback, nor was there pr- the progress that we had hoped. And we're not going to put a player on the ice that isn't at least close to 100% and put him in a vulnerable position where you risk a setback. So we made that decision. It was the right call. And it will be the same thing on Thursday. 48 hours, a lot can change. But we'll certainly make the right call to protect the player. If he's not where we need him to be, I know he wants to play. And that's what was misleading to everyone. Like, yeah, I want to play, I want to play. But medically, he was not ready to play. So, I mean, that clears up a few things. Like, a lot of folks, Sean, were wondering if this was the great malaise of 2018 sort of making its way back here. I know there was a couple, there were a couple of tweet or uh, people suggesting this is not a concussion. If it was a concussion, he wouldn't be on the, he wouldn't have been on the ice to begin with on Monday. So, mm-hmm. this is an upper body issue of some kind. I don't know if it's shoulder related or collarbone or whatever. It's not a concussion. You aren't. If he's in, he's out of concussion protocol. That was what we said from the very, you know, Rick Bonus said that immediately after the game. So 
to our knowledge, he has not had any setbacks in terms of the concussion, uh, anything else, post-concussion syndrome or any. Now, Sean, now what do you think? The fact that the Jets already took one game on the road, do they automatically wait for Saturday afternoon with the quick turnaround? Or do they consider putting Ehlers back into the lineup if he shows well over the next 48 hours? Oh, I mean, I think what I, I don't think they will hold him out if they think he's good to go, right? So to me, oh, I agreed. I, I I can't give I can't give you uh, what I don't think is I don't think they're going to be like ah let's make it maybe give him another day of rest. I think that what we've seen from Rick Bonus is there's an understanding uh, that uh, sorry Roy Max says Lou Ferlin sold Vegas <laughs> therefore. <laughs> That's hilarious. The fortress where I may have to go do everything from now on because those smoke uh, jets that go off. Uh, I, I'm not sure how people heard me talk when that was going on. Those things were going absolutely crazy. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, I, I can't see a scenario by which the jets are going to rush Nick Ehlers. Sorry, not rush Nick Ehlers back. But I, I, I think Rick Bonus is kind of idea is essentially like if you can play you can play there's a certain threshold um and and i think i think what nick ehlers has been making clear as he joked down the stretch here that he's in a little bit of a media war with his coach yeah uh and, and suggesting that he's you know trying to talk his way into the game is i think the message that he's trying to send is uh you know what i when you when i'm cleared to play i want to play and i think in the case of that happening that that Rick Bonus will meet that demand when it's time because, you know, as good as things went here tonight, Rick Bonus, you know, is not going to be a guy who's taking this lightly. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is a coach who's very capable. The one thing that I've thought is absolutely and that I'm really excited about now and mm -hmm. that I should talk about. The one thing that I've always thought was interesting, and I said this, if you remember, on the very first show where we had Rick Bonus on after he signed and we had him on a special episode of Kenny and Rennie, the one thing that I saw from him in the bubble that year when he took the Dallas Stars to the Stanley Cup final uh, against the, uh, against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning was... He's a coach that does a really good job of making in-season, excuse me, in-series adjustments. Yep. And you can really get a chess match going here. Well, Bruce Cassidy can as well. Now, I've said this, and I said it before you hopped on. If the Winnipeg Jets continue to play like that, they're going to be a handful no matter who they play. But I think what we should expect is Bruce Cassidy really digging into the Jets system and finding a better way to handle things than they did tonight. What I'm interested to see is, A, how that works, B, if they can come out with a win against the Jets, but C, if they do come out with a win against the Jets. I'm very interested to see the kind of tweaks that we see either in the lineup or in the game plan of the Winnipeg Jets by Rick Bonus because I'm fascinated by his ability to make in-series adjustments. The thing about it was, based on what we saw from the Winnipeg Jets for so long this year, where they just basically stopped playing the blueprint, stopped playing his style, and started playing something else, I wasn't sure that the Winnipeg Jets were a team that could follow his instructions on tweaks. I thought they were just so involved in trying to play their own game that they couldn't possibly you know, dig into the minutia of tweaking the system not entirely changing it, but doing the little things that made them, you know, adjust to other teams. I'm fascinated going forward to see how the Winnipeg Jets respond 
to to the challenges that come down the stretch because this is one thing I talked about what had me concerned about the Winnipeg Jets heading into the playoffs. One of the things that had you concerned about the Winnipeg Jets was their ability to sustain, or maybe a better way to say it, was to handle the adversity down the stretch. Well, we haven't seen the adversity yet. If they do run into adversity, they've got a coach that should be able to help them handle it and give them a good game plan to get through it. That's the thing I'll be watching for as we go down the stretch here is how they handle that adversity. And if they handle it by following a coach that's shown in the past, he knows how to read teams, to beat teams, and to come up with a tweak to a game plan that puts his team in a good spot. We're going to see them, I assume, at some point run into that unless they just absolutely wallpaper everyone down the stretch like they did tonight. Something tells me they're going to run into their adversity. Oh, no doubt about that. No. I mean, Vegas is a very good hockey team. They're not going to just fold here. Like The, the whole idea that the Jets have won, they're going to sweep the series, folks. Come on. Like, let's... <laughs> Let's take a deep breath here. Um, and I'm with you. I was in the scrum with Bruce on uh, Sunday, Sean. Uh, he was asked about the in-game adjustments. He talked about how much he loves going head-to-head with the other coach, you know, yeah. whether it's line changes or attacking different ways. Uh, I think we're going to see an entirely different Vegas team in the next game. This is one of the best teams in the NHL. Like they, they are... they. They held off two incredibly red-hot teams down the stretch in the Edmonton Oilers and Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, you know, good job on the Jets for getting ahead. They're going to have to play even better in Game 2. And that's the beauty of the playoffs. How does a team respond? The Jets punched Vegas in the face, like you said. Now, you know, get ready for the retaliation here. So uh, the fact that the Jets dictated, that's what they're going to have to try to do in Game 2. They're going to have to be faster. They're going to have to be a little bit more efficient in terms of their puck movement. But they did a great job of breaking out, Sean. And, and early on, Vegas was all over the Jets' D. And you know they want to run them out of the rink. Um, but we didn't see quite as many of these things. Uh, like Barbashev had one big hit on, I think, Menelainen was it in front of the bench. And, Sean, we've talked about Menelainen a ton. I love Menelainen's game. He was engaged physically engaged he drew the boarding penalty i think on keegan kolasar uh he was getting involved getting in people's grills like that's when he's his most effective when he plays like that people say oh why is men aligning and he does nothing outside of penalty killing he's a big body he gets on the forecheck and he gets under people's skin when he's playing at his very best this was this was a solid game by that fourth line and i love david gustafson's effort sean uh we know that he got taken out of the lineup down the stretch but Gustafson was very good in this hockey game. A lot of really smart plays, cross, you know, smart passes, effective, moving well. Stenland survived the game, coming back from his lower body issue. I thought that line, you know, was efficient and effective. It's going to be fascinating to see how the response is, right? I mean, the Jets know they're already talking about it. They know they're going to need to be better. What kind of adjustments will they need to make to kind of counteract what Vegas is going to try to do to them? Uh, the Jets. Their second wave of defense wasn't really as offensive, Sean. That was my personal view. But they didn't have to be because they took the lead and then they didn't have to go on the attack necessarily. But I'm with you. I love the fact that they didn't sit back when you know they got a lead. They never sat back. He did the job. They did the job really effectively. And you know now we're going to see what happens next. Um. I will say this. Uh, I'm very interested to see what Bruce Cassidy comes back with. 
But let's make this absolutely clear. The Winnipeg Jets had a far better game plan tonight. You could see it time and time again. There were so many times where one Vegas Golden Knight player skated the puck into a beehive of Winnipeg Jets players trying to get it in. They had no plan on how to beat the Winnipeg Jets neutral zone. They never came up with that plan as the game progressed. Uh, this, was, this wasn't an execution thing. The Winnipeg Jets blueprint blew apart the Vegas Golden Knights blueprint on this night. And I actually do find it interesting in that the, the I wonder if the season series between these three teams actually worked again. Sorry, three teams. The three games between these two teams this season. I wonder if it worked against the Vegas Golden Knights. Because if you remember, the first two games was basically Vegas with their game plan destroying the Winnipeg Jets, running them out of the rink. I know that the Jets took one game to overtime, uh, and, and but that was a that was a Connor Hellebuck special. But the 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 other game that they played was a little bit of a a track meet that both teams got into. The the Vegas Golden Knights, I think the Winnipeg Jets saw in a couple of those games what makes the Vegas Golden Knights a very good team, and they planned for it. Okay, they planned for it tonight. And they absolutely blew up and interrupted and took away all the strengths from a Vegas Golden Knights team. I don't think now we've seen a version of this Winnipeg Jets team tonight before. It's the games go back through all the Kenny and Rennie shows and the nights where we talk about it and say they hit the blueprint tonight. This was that night, like I said, on steroids. But we've seen this game plan before from the Winnipeg Jets. Now, maybe the Vegas Golden Knights saw it in tape, right? Maybe they saw a couple of video sessions, but they never saw it or played against it on the ice because the Winnipeg Jets never came close to achieving their blueprint in any of their games against the Vegas Golden Knights. And I wonder if that caught the Vegas Golden Knights and maybe even Bruce Cassidy and his coaching staff off guard because this is one of these things that was my hit into the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs show earlier in the game. We know what to expect from the Vegas Golden Knights coming into this series you don't necessarily know what to expect from the Winnipeg Jets coming into this series. And I'm going to tell you something, Ken. This is a little behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm not going to name names. But I spent some time in the Vegas Golden Knights dressing room, and I can tell you by the comments that they said to me about the Winnipeg Jets, they did not expect this at all. I don't think they thought the Jets were a team that was capable of playing like this. I think they were surprised by this, and I don't think you get surprised by this if the Jets had come anywhere near to pulling the Rick bonus blueprint against them in the regular season this i think is one of those situations where the jets did not have good efforts against the vegas golden knights earlier in this season the jets never showed them their best so they couldn't really prepare for the jets best i think that the vegas golden knights showed the winnipeg jets what they do best and it allowed the jets to plan for them and it worked in their favor tonight we're gonna have to see if the vegas golden knights can turn the tide and come up with a better game plan because their game plan got pumped by the rick bonus blueprint on this night can you have anything to say before i do the uh, dig deeper award? yes i do yes i do we've gone a lot of time here without mentioning mark shifley i thought shifley was highly engaged in this game as well three hits on the score sheet i thought he was skating well he had an unreal toe drag where brassois made a really good save in the first period yes, yes. Uh, loved his game uh you know I thought that that line was excellent, but I know we talked a lot about Dubois earlier for good reason and Kyle Connor for scoring. But you know, I thought that, that that's the kind of hockey that Mark needs to play. 
in order to have an impact on this series. Had a good chat with Mark bef- after practice uh, on Monday. He was very eager. We know that that was his first game since the Jake Evans suspension in the playoffs. He was very eager to have an impact in this series, and he got off to a good start here. And, and I think he can even play at a higher level, and, and that that's something that uh, that line was excellent for the Jets, but I think they can play even better, and, that, and that's a scary proposition for the Jets, uh, you know, for their opposition, because, like you said, that Lowry line carried the mail in a lot of ways in terms of how they played, especially defensively, keeping those guys in check, especially after Cassidy went to Stevenson, Stone, and Eichel for a stretch. But the Jets' top line was going to need to go, and they did a great job. And I know you highlighted one of the comments. I thought Nemesnikov uh, was excellent in this game too with Ehler and Niederreiter. Nieder- Once again, we've talked about how the Jets' dynamic up front has been changed with Niederreiter and Nemesnikov. You know, two physical guys in a game against in a series against one of the heaviest teams in the NHL, those two guys were very active in this game as well. Yeah. Um, I, one last thing I'll say. Uh, we talked about this before, that when the Winnipeg Jets are doing well, all four lines look the same. That was a night. All four lines looked the same. They did the, the right things right and let their, their talent kind of separate them. Again, they keep doing that. It's just the thing I think Bruce Cassidy – he can come in with his game plan. If the Winnipeg Jets keep keep playing like that and bring that style, they are going to be extremely hard to beat. Okay, let's get down to it. It is time to throw a spotlight on the comments and choose a standout for the Home Field Dig Deeper Award. And I am going to pick on this night, Robert Sutton. I really like this comment. He says, it's nice to see Helly taking a night off while the offense went to work in all three periods. Hats off to Barron. 75 for 75 good reasons to stomp Vegas. Um, I like this comment. And the reason I like it is because the Winnipeg Jets did what I've said they should be doing time and time again, show appreciation to Connor Hellebuck for all those times that he saves this team, that he keeps them in games, that he outright steals games. This is a night where against a team that, like we were saying in the broadcast, has been better than any other team in the NHL at making coming back and winning games in the third period, allowing just two shots on goal. Connor Hellebuck didn't need to be spectacular in this game. Connor Hellebuck didn't even need to be replacement level in this game. Connor Hellebuck didn't even need to be a bad NHL goaltender. The Winnipeg Jets took care of Connor Hellebuck on this night. Not that he needs it, but he deserves it. It's kind of like the rant I went on, Ken, when I was talking about uh, Jets' ownership with season ticket holders and how just because his season ticket holders are phenomenal fans that don't need to be spoiled in order to end up in the building, that doesn't mean you don't spoil really good fans. Well, Connor Hellebuck doesn't need the Winnipeg Jets spoiling them and not letting any shots on net, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be doing that to show appreciation for him every once in a while. So Robert Sutton absolutely nails it here. Thank you, Robert Sutton, for your winning comment. And just like Robert Sutton, Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.ca. Ken, great job tonight. Chat room, you rocked it as usual. And I just want to say what I always end this show with. If you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep these conversations going in these spaces for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, Trans Brewing Company, the Johnson Group, 
Sweet Lou Ferlin, and of course, Homefield. Thank you so much to them. Thank you so much to you all. We will see you again after Thursday. Will we talk, be talking about another Jets dominating performance? Will we be talking about a 1 1 tied series? I don't know what we're going to be talking about, Ken. I could tell you this. I can't wait to do it. We should go out and we should. Uh, I hear there's this place called The Strip. Maybe you and I should meet up there. Let's see what we're going to do with it. The rest of you, enjoy your night. We will talk to you after the game. On Thursday, thank you so much for tuning in. The Kenny and Rennie Show is brought to you by Homefield. Cambrian Credit Union. Lou Ferlin. Trans-Canada Brewing. Vittorio Rossi. And Johnston Group.